Well, amen. Let's open our Bibles this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, and it's good to see you this morning on this Labor Day weekend, and we are glad you are here uh, for the next couple weeks, uh, just two or three weeks, just a little bit different series, and then we'll dive into... uh, Pretty much in October and November, we're going to be going through part of the Psalms, and we did Psalm 23 a few years ago, and um, we're going to go through some of the Psalms, and then in December, we're going to start in the book of Luke, and we'll be going verse by verse through the entire book of Luke. We're taking just a little break, three-week series on what happens when a Christian dies, and I want you to look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and let's read uh, verse number 8. Of course, if you do get a chance, make sure you congratulate Pastor Colin and Sammy on their new baby, and we're excited. Excited for them and happy for them. He is on maternity leave. And I told him, I said, we didn't have that when we had Caitlin. I don't even know what that's all about. I was reading the other day that like there's companies that give dudes a month off when they have a baby. Isn't that insane? We live in the same. Caitlin was born, and guess what I did the next day? I went to work, okay? Somebody helped me this morning. That's just what we did. Um, but anyhow, that's not a good example, folks, okay? I'm just saying I'm not the example on that. Um, but pray for them, and we're excited for them, and that's a big deal, and, and it's awesome. So um, we're, we're thankful for a healthy baby and, uh, and of course, for Pastor Colin. Um, first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8. I may have said first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at verse number 8. It says this. We are confident... I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. We're going to talk about this idea uh, for the next couple weeks. I think this is important for us. I think there's a lot of false uh, thoughts, a lot of false teaching, a lot of false singing about what happens when we die. And we're going to do the best to answer from Scripture, right? I mean, we want to see what God's Word says. Not what we've always heard, not what we've always thought, but what does God's Word say about what happens to a believer when they die? We've all heard messages on heaven, and uh, really, probably next week or the week after, we're really going to dive in and see what, what, what does heaven really look like for us. And see, most of us think we're going to be in heaven forever, and we're really going to, we're actually going to be on earth again. And we're going to talk about what that looks like from Scripture. And I, I really, I'm excited. I really want to get to next week, um, but we're not there yet, okay? So you get, bear with me this morning. We're going to talk this morning about what happens immediately when a believer dies. We've all seen or heard people say things like this, rest in peace. You ever seen that? And let me just say this, if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to be resting in peace, okay? So like, you'll see a celebrity that dies sometimes, and people, you'll see all over social media and stuff, what will they say? R.I.P., whatever their name is. Here's, here's some bad news, like, if you don't know Jesus, you're not resting in peace, you're spending eternity in hell, and that's, that's a terrible thing, that's a terrible place, okay? And that's not popular preaching of our day, but that's the truth of the matter, and we're not going to talk a lot about that, we're going to talk more about what happens for us as believers, when we die. Man, you've heard people say this, well, he went to heaven and he got his wings. Have you ever heard that before? Okay, and we're going to answer questions like that. Is that true? Do we get, and those are, those are things that people think. You know, what does the Word of God say? And over these next couple weeks from Scripture, I want to try to answer some of these questions, try to clarify what it looks like when a Christian dies. And here's the truth of the matter and why this is important. Death is imminent for all of us. Death is coming. Right now, this breath that you just breathed, this breath that I just breathed, we are one breath closer to death than we were a second ago. 
Man, that's something to think about, isn't it? Man, every moment that slips by. Man, we're one, we're, we're one step closer. I was actually going to, uh, you know, Jeremy is, is a funeral director, and I really thought about this, but I didn't want to get too gimmicky. But I was going to have a hearse outside when y'all pulled up this morning. But I thought people might leave thinking we're actually having a funeral. We were really going to do that. And then I was going to have a casket up here. Um, just because it really makes us, the reason being is this, it really makes us stop and think. Man, when we're in those funeral services, we did a funeral together last week, a week before last. And, man, those are sobering moments. Those are moments where really we really look at life and we evaluate some things. And uh, so as a believer, what happens when we die? Where do we go? What, what does our body look like? What are we doing? Is it going to just be boring? And, you know, what, what is that going to look like for us? And we're going to talk about that over the next couple weeks. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27 says, As it is appointed unto men once to die. Every one of us is going to die. Then we're going to face the judgment. And we're either going to die and we're going to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior or we're going to spend eternity separated from God. You see, the reason that death, and we need to establish a few things before we get into this, the reason that death is imminent is this. Back in, all the way back in the book of Genesis, y'all remember the book of Genesis when, when, when there was nothing, and aren't you thankful that the God that we serve, he stepped out on nothing, and he breathed, listen, and he spoke, and what happened, man, the world into existence. I believe that, okay? I don't believe in evolution. I believe the Bible teaches that, man, God is the creator. He always has been and always will be, and he said, let there be light, and guess what happened? There was light. On day number one, what did he do? He created light. And then on day number two, he created the skies and the seas. And day number three, the lands and the plants. And then on day number four, the sun, moon, and stars. Day number five, the fish and the birds. Day number six, the animals and humans, Adam and Eve. Y'all remember that? Genesis chapter number one and two, he, man, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed, into, he breathed in that dust. And that dust became a living soul. And then, man, he saw that Adam, it wasn't good that he should be alone. And he created Eve, that helped Help meet that completer for him. And then what ends up happening? Man, they're in the Garden of Eden. Everything's perfect, okay? There's no death. There's no sin. None of that. But God had cast Lucifer out of heaven because he wanted to be God, okay? Pride always has a way of destruction. Always has a way of destroying. And that Lucifer in the form of that serpent, and he, he comes to Eve and begins to talk to her. And my mind starts thinking things like this, and don't make doctrine out of this. But Eve wasn't surprised that this serpent's talking to her. I always wonder before the fall, did animals talk? You know, I've got some weird mindsets like that sometimes. But this serpent comes to her, and it, what does he do? He tempts her, right? God had only given them one rule, and this, and this is how we are. Man, when we only have one rule, if you're like me, I grew up believing. This is my philosophy for life. Rules were made to be broken. Is anybody else grow up like that? And Eve, what what she do? She gets Adam over there, and it says that what, what ends up happening, they partake of that fruit. And after they do that, we have this thing called the fall of man in Genesis chapter number 3. So everything was perfect. Then we have this fall. With that fall, with Adam taking of that fruit which God had commanded him not to, there were some consequences for that. Now, we're not going to go through all the consequences, but some of them, that if you study your Bible, maybe you may understand that pain in childbirth, that's where that came from. Part of working. Now, there was work before the fall, but the work after the fall was by the sweat of the brow, and then there were thorns, and there were thistles. and I mean, So there was work because they were to be dominion over the animals and all that. So there was some of that, but it changed drastically at the fall of man one of the big things that changed which affects all of us in here is this earth was perfect 
before the fall. After the fall, now the earth is full of decay. Our bodies are full of decay. It was perfect. God saw it and He said it was good. But then this temptation in the garden, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, one of the major consequences for the fall is earth became degenerate along with humans being degenerate. The fall brought decay of both the world and of humans. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12 says this, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam... Sin entered into the world and death by sin. So because of that sin, there was death. And look what it says. It's on the screen. We're going to meet a lot of verses. We're not going to be going straight through a text like normal. So we'll put them up here. But look what it says. And so death passed upon all men. Why? For all have sinned. So because of this sin in the garden and because of your sin and my sin, guess what? Every single person is going to die at some point. We've talked about this verse a lot, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. So what's a wage? If you go to work, you get a paycheck. That's your wage. You earned it, you get a paycheck. So if you sin, because of our sin, there's a paycheck coming. And guess what it is for every single one of us? It's death. I mean, all of us are going to die. So the fall brought sin and death. But aren't you thankful that the story didn't stop there? Jesus brought life. Okay, so that's the fulfilled story in Scripture. Man, there was this fall, there was a sin, there was a separation from God, but God sent His Son, right? John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the fall brought sin, but Jesus brought life. Romans 5, 8, I quote it all the time, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the first Adam, what did he bring? He brought death and sin. The final Adam, Jesus Christ, guess what he brought? Man, he brought life. He brought resurrection. So for the believer, this is something we must understand. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, I don't have it up there. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So for the believer, and that's what we're going to mainly talk about, death is not punishment for the believer. We have been delivered from it. Okay. Paul said this in, in, in Philippians 1.21. So for us, it's a reward. Philippians 1.21 says this, For me to live is Christ. But look what Paul says. But to die is gain. Man, it's reward. It's not punishment for the believer. 2 Corinthians 5.8 5, says this, We are confident, I say, and willing rather, we read this at the beginning, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we've all been to Christian funerals with a casket up front, maybe an urn up front with ashes in it, maybe a casket with the body in it. We've all been to some graveside services when a casket of a friend or a loved one is going to be lowered in to the ground. So the question comes up then, so where is that person? We know that their body's there, but to be absent, to be present with the Lord. So what are they doing? What are they like at this moment? Do they have a body at this point? That's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. Um, are they in heaven? Are they resting in peace? Did they, as we mentioned earlier, did they get their wings? And, you know, we're going to answer questions like this. What is heaven really like? What's the new earth like? Man, what, what is this idea of this, this thing we've read about in Scripture called a glorified body? All questions I hope we can answer a little bit this next few weeks. And today I want to zone in specifically on what happens immediately when a Christian dies. 
Now, there's some false views on this. Maybe you grew up in a different tradition. If you grew up Catholic, you would have been taught about this place called purgatory. And basically, what would happen is, if you believe in purgatory, when a person would die, their soul would go to this place called purgatory, where they would continue to be refined by fire until they are clean enough in, to get to heaven, okay? That's what they would teach. Now, we understand that either his redemptive work on the cross was good enough and big enough, or it wasn't, okay? Purgatory is not found in the Scripture. They believe that as they die, they would get there to further pur- purification until they are ready to be accepted into heaven. We must understand that there is nothing outside of Jesus' grace and His blood that gets us to heaven. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Listen, it's by His blood that He has saved us. So that's one view. Another thing that people would say and some would believe is, is this thing called soul sleep. Okay, That your body, it, it, your body goes into the ground. Your soul goes to sleep until the final resurrection at the return of Christ. So basically, you're in an unconscious state until the resurrection at the return of Christ. And where this comes from and why people would believe this is because in Scripture, there are many times where it, it talks about sleep when it's talking about death. But what ends up happening is, when the Bible uses a metaphor or a picture, many people will interpret it literally, okay? So when, it, when you see the word sleep concerning death, it's not talking about some unconscious state. It's, it's using it as a metaphor, as a place of rest. Man, it, it teaches that, man, there's this, there's this unconsciousness until the return of Christ and the resurrection of the saints. And, it, it's, uh, it, and we're going to see in just a little bit, Revelation chapter 6 and chapter number 7 clearly teaches that we are conscious, that we are alive, that we are worshiping, that there are things that are happening. Now, there seems to be, and this is where we, re, we get what we believe typically in your Baptist or your evangelical world, okay? Where we, where we would get what we believe happens when a person dies. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter number 6. Let's look at this real quick. Revelation chapter number 6. So as we're going to see here, we believe this. If you die before the resurrection, to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. So we believe your soul is in the presence of God. Your body is either in the ground or in a spittoon. Somebody help me this morning, okay? You're in one of those two. So what about our bodies? Do we have a body at that point when we're in the presence of God? What does that look like? There seems to be some sort of unseen realm as we study Scripture. John, if you remember, saw into heaven as he's writing the book of Revelation. He is getting a vision from God. Look at Revelation 6, or Revelation 6, look at verse 9. And we had opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And look at this. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true. So understand, these are those dead saints, and they're speaking. It's not a place of unconsciousness. Dost thou judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on earth? And look at this. And white robes were given to every one of them. So they're speaking. There's robes involved. And and it is said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants, also their brethren, should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So he basically, what's happening here is, John is seeing into eternity 
or into heaven, okay? God is giving him this revelation. That's where the title revelation comes from. John the Revelator. God is giving him insight into what happens. He sees these believers or these martyrs who had died. They notice what if you notice this, they are conscious and they are aware. I mean, they know what's going on. They're not asleep. They seem aware of even what's going on on earth. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they seem aware. It almost seems that they are fully aware of what's going on. It seems like they have a temporary body already at this point because what are they wearing? White robes. And these aren't, I wouldn't fight with you or argue with you over these things, but that's just what's happening here. He's seeing into heaven. They're worshiping. They are seeing back into earth for sure, and they are wearing right robes. It seems like there's some sort of temporary body in what most would call this intermediate state, okay? That's, that's what John is seeing at this point. White robes on. So there was earth, there was death, creation of earth, there was death. Man, there's this, man, they're wearing white robes, and one day there will be a final resurrection where we will see glorification. So let's talk for just a minute. You remember when Jesus died and he rose again? When he ascended into heaven? Acts chapter 1 verse number 11. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So after the death and the resurrection, Jesus was a being. He wasn't just a spirit. Listen, he was there. And what did he do? He ascended up into heaven. And it says he'll come back the same way that he came. Enoch and Elijah, y'all remember them in the Old Testament? They didn't die. What happened? They got taken up into heaven. And listen, they didn't die, so they have their bodies. Moses and Elijah, y'all remember the Mount of Transfiguration? They showed up, and guess what they were in? Bodily form. Either way, and wherever you want to go with this, we know this. To be absent from the body is to what? To be present with the Lord. Romans 8.17 says this, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, we be that suffer with him, that we may be also glorified to together. So, when a Christian dies, when that body, when your soul leaves that body at that last breath, your soul is in the present of the Lord. Souls of believers do not go to sleep. They do not go to purgatory. It says they go into the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 5 8. Philippians 1 Paul said this For I am in the strait betwixt the two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this When I die, guess where I'm going to be? I'm going to be with Christ, which is far better better remember when jesus was on the cross and and the thieves were there and by the way can i just say this people do get saved on their deathbed jesus led one to the lord on his deathbed it's never too late as long as there's breath and lungs we need to keep witness and we need to we need to keep telling us about jesus what did he say to that thief he didn't say you're going to be sleep and someday you'll be in paradise with me he didn't say you're gonna you're gonna go to purgatory for a while because you've only been saved for five minutes before you die what did he say today you will be with me in paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then at the resurrection, this is what's awesome. When the Lord returns, the dead in Christ will rise. And that's when our glorified bodies, that final resurrection takes place. The reception of the glorified body. Let me read some passages to you, and we should have these on our notes. Romans chapter 8, verse number 23. And not only they 
but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit with the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So it talks about this redeeming of the body. So go all the way back to Genesis. Everything's perfect. The fall happens. There's decay. There's destruction. And there's death. Okay? The world changes. God sends a what? A redeemer. Okay? To save us. Here's the cool thing. Eventually, not only does he redeem us just from hell, but he is going to redeem our bodies from this flesh that we have. We're going to have a perfect body once again. Here's the cool thing. We've always heard that the world's going to end and it's going to be burned up. No, you know what he's going to do one day? He's going to redeem the earth all the way back to where it was before the fall of man. And that's awesome news. That's a great thing. That's cool. Okay? Let me read another one to you. Romans 8, 17 and 18. And if children, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, Romans 8, 17, we read this earlier. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. And I love this verse 18. This is an awesome verse. Listen to this. For I reckon, Paul was Southern, praise the Lord. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, this fallen world, they stink, don't they? Men, this fallen world, listen, are not worthy to be prepared for the, with the glory, compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Look at Romans 8.30 real quick. Throw that one up there if we got it. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called. And whom he called, them also he justified. And who he justified, he also glorified. Let me show you one more. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall we be brought to pass the saying that is written. And this is awesome. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? And oh, grave, <clears throat> where is thy victory? The sting of sin is death, and the strength of sin is the law. I love verse 57. If you write in your Bibles, go back and highlight this. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Specifically talking about that death. Listen, it's about being in Christ. So death, our soul, are absent from our earthly bodies and they're present with the Lord. And one day we're going to have that perfect glorification. When we shall see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. One man wrote it this way and I love this definition of glorification. He says this. Glorification, that's, and when I, when I talk about glorification, this is what we're talking about. Once we've died, okay, and the Lord returns, we receive those glorified bodies. And this is what, let me tell you what this looks like. Glorification is the final step in the application of redemption. It will happen when Christ returns and raises the dead bodies of all believers for all time who have died and reunites them with their souls and changes their bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers at the same time the perfect resurrection bodies like his own. Okay? That's what glorification is going to do. So death, absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Resurrection, eternal bodies. So there's a perfect earth, sin in the fall, degenerate earth, there's one day going to be a resurrection, praise the Lord for that, and then there's going to be a redeemed earth, which we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. A few things I know from sure from Scripture. Now, there's a lot of conjecture that can go on here. There's a lot that's unknown, right? But there are some things that are known. A couple things that are known. 
Number one, and these aren't going to be up on the screen, but I want you to just, if you do take notes, write these down and we'll look at them later. Number one is this, death is not punishment for believers, and we've got to stop looking at it that way. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Death is the doorway for us. It's just the beginning, okay? Second thing is this, death is the final outcome for living in a fallen world. Something that we're all going to face. We read it earlier. For the wages of sin is what? Death. It's going to happen to everybody. Thirdly, God will use death to complete our sanctification. Listen, we will struggle with sin. We will struggle with the flesh until our death. Man, he will, listen, he eventually will glorify us. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear... That resurrection, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our experience with death will complete our unity with Christ. So that's awesome to think about this morning. Now I want to give us some practical things on this first thought. To be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord. Next couple weeks we're going to talk about heaven. We're going to answer those questions. Man, are there animals in heaven? You know, what's the new earth look like? We're going to talk about some real stuff. But this morning, I want to challenge us as we're on this subject, and as we're thinking about these the last 15 minutes, I want you to think about this, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. What does this mean for each one of us? It's fun stuff to talk about and think about a little bit, I mean, to discuss and even to argue and debate, and that's okay. But the truth of the matter is, remember as we were studying Colossians, we can have all the theology in the world, right? But if it doesn't move us to action, it's not worth anything. We can know all these things. We can know to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, and we're going to be perfect. We're not going to battle with this flesh anymore, and eventually there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a glorification. But here's, the, here's really the message, because that, that's all good, and most of us already knew that, but that ought to challenge us to do something about it. Real faith is taking what we know here, believing it here, and guess what? Living it out over here. So what do we do with this? The first thing that I wrote down and thought about when it comes to this and it comes to death and it comes to the fact that we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, we must all be reminded this morning, first of all, that life is short. Short. Life, James says in James chapter number 4, life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time. And then what does it do? Vanishes away. We were at a funeral this two weeks ago. How old was Steve? 50, 59 years old. Young. My dad, 60, 60, 61 years old, passed away. I mean, that young man, we, the, the, Cassid, or the urn was here just a few weeks ago for a six-year-old. Had major health problems, but he passed away. Life is but a vapor. It's short. We don't know how, none of us know how much time we have left. You know that? We're not invincible. Man, not a week goes by where we don't read in the news or read a, or know someone that some freak accident happens in our minds. Listen, it's short. And so what do we do with that? The fact that life is short. Can I just say to you this morning, don't, here, here's the challenge for you. Don't waste your life. It's short. Y'all listen to me. When you are wasting your time, guess what you're doing? You're wasting your life. Time can never be retrieved and it can never be replaced. Something we can't get back. Doesn't matter how rich you are. Guess what? You can't go back yesterday. Now I've watched Back to the Future and I wish you could do that. So somebody help me. Old Doc show up. And McFly. I've met some McFlies. Somebody help me this morning. Marty McFly. You can't fly back. You can't go back to yesterday. You can't go back to five minutes ago. When I'm wasting my time, I'm wasting my life. That's something to think about. 
man, what am I doing with my life? What does my life look like? What is your life? Man, don't waste your life. You know, time is a gift from God. Every breath is a gift from Him. Man, how many of us have somebody that we loved in our life that we wish we could go back and just spend five minutes with them? Because of time. It's gone. Man, those people that have been, you know, that many of us grow up and we get busy because life is busy and I get it, mine is too. And there's family that we don't maybe spend enough time with and we don't say I love you enough and we, we're too busy to go to that family reunion or we're too busy, you know, to forgive or too busy to be at church. Whatever it is, we, 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 we stay home and when we don't get out and live the life that God's given us, listen, don't waste it. That's all I'm saying this morning. It's short. It's going to be over soon. It's going to be past soon. And I think about, man, we have many young, young people here that have babies. We got a couple in here this morning, brand new babies this morning. It's awesome. I love it. I love having babies around the church. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And some of y'all need to get on that. Somebody help me this morning. It's a good thing. It's awesome. But it just seems like yesterday, if you have an adult kid, it don't seem that long ago. And what happens, man? You blink, and it's over. They gone. Somebody said amen. Larry's like, amen, I got them out of there, praise God. But it, man, it flies by. Man, time don't wait on us. Because I just want to challenge you this morning. As we're talking about death, as we're talking about, listen, sometimes I think we worry so much about the afterlife and all, and you know, what is it going to, and we worry about all these things that we're missing what God's doing now. It's kind of like this. We live in a day where we miss the moment trying to capture the moment. You say, what do you mean by that? Sometimes we miss what's really going on because we're trying to take pictures of it. Sometimes life can be that way, and it passes so fast. Don't waste your life. Man, live for things that matter. Can I just say this maybe? Don't waste your life worrying about things that don't matter. Worry about the things that do. John 10, 10 says this, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But you know what Jesus says? I love this. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Live your life. Live it abundantly. I wrote this down. Not only when I waste my time, I'm wasting my life, but God's given me life. It's a gift. Live it abundantly. Listen, I'm just, and I'm not trying to be fleshly here, but I'm just telling you, if, man, you have something in your heart that you desire to do, do it. Man, if there's a place you want to take your family, can I just say this? Save up the money and go. You've got one shot on this earth. And yes, we need to do the work of God. And yes, we need to be busy about his business. We're going to talk about this. But he's given us life to, to live it abundantly and enjoy it. Do you know it's okay for Christians to have fun? Man, I cherish the memories that we have. Man, I remember my dad when I was 16. My mom and dad, man, he worked, he worked hard, man, to provide for us. And, man, he was a good man. He was faithful. He got up every day. And I remember we lived, in, uh, we lived at that time in Flower Mound, Texas. He would get up every morning. He would drive an hour to Plano, Texas, where he worked. An hour every day back and forth, working 10 to 15-hour days sometimes so that he could provide for his family. And I remember when I was 16, for my 16th birthday, two things that happened. He took us to the Mavericks game where we sat courtside. Michael Jordan and the Bulls, y'all remember them? Anybody know who the Bulls are, the greatest, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time? Now, I don't watch the NBA. I wouldn't give you two cents for it anymore. But back then, man, it was a big deal. That's back when they weren't as big a baby. Somebody help me this morning. We used to, we got those courtside seats. You know, I remember that and cherish that moment with my dad for the rest of my life. Grandma, before she died that same year, ended up taking our entire family to Hawaii that year. 16 years old. Memories with Grandma that I'll remember for the rest of my life. 
Can I just say this? Spend time with your family. Enjoy that time with your family. And yes, preach the gospel. Yes, love them biblically. But those memories that we have for those grandkids and for those kids and for those family, at one point until eternity, will all we have on this earth. And so here's the choice you have. You can live a miserable life and do nothing. And there's people that will. There are people that will live their life. And you hear me talk about it a lot. Oh, it must be nice. Never apologize for God's blessing on your life. Just telling you. I used to struggle with guilt when we'd go on vacation or somewhere. I would. I used to struggle with it. Man, I used to struggle with it when I would turn my phone off. And, you know, I would struggle with that stuff. And a wiser, older preacher said to me one time, he says, you never apologize for God's blessing on your life. And can I just tell you, you don't either. If God's blessed you, man, spend time with that family. Enjoy that time with them. Make memories because you'll never get it back. How many of us as parents that have older kids now wish? I wish. I could rewind and go back to when Caitlin was six, seven, and eight, when I was too busy, and I didn't spend time with her. I wish I could do that. I can't. Learn from my mistakes. When you're wasting your time, you're wasting your life. Your family's number one. I'm just telling you, with the gospel and with spending time with them, live your life and live it more abundantly. Love it. You can enjoy life. It's not all going to be perfect. There's going to be problems. There's going to be issues. But man, live it. Make memories with your family. And then look at this one, John 9, 4. We're almost done this morning. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Not only when life is short, when I waste my time, I'm wasting my life, live abundantly, but do the work of God. Hey, those people that God has placed in your life that you need to witness to, witness to them, get white. Death is imminent for them too. Those friends, those co-workers, those neighbors, those family members, listen, when they die, it's either going to be heaven or hell. And maybe God has just placed you in your life to be a witness to them. Don't miss an opportunity to do that. I wrote this down. Eternity is imminent. Every one of us will breathe our last breath. And here's the real question I want to ask you. All that to say this. This is the most important question you'll ever be asked in your life. The most important question you'll ever be asked. What I'm about to ask you, y'all listen to me this morning, is the most important question you will ever be asked. Where will you spend eternity? When you breathe your last breath, one second after, you're either going to spend eternity in the presence of God, and I don't like to talk about it because it stinks and it hurts because so many people will spend their eternity there. Or you'll spend eternity in that place where the worm dieth not and the fire's not quenched. And I just, let me just say it this way. And I'm not going to sensationalize. We're not going to have a long invitation. But here's the thing. Don't go to hell from a church like this. Where the gospel's preached. Where Jesus is preached. Where it's clear, it's clear, crystal clear that God loves you. And he wants to forgive you. And he wants to redeem you. And he wants to save you. If you've never trusted Christ, can I just say this this morning? Don't leave here today without coming up after this service with one of these counselors. And they'll sit down. And not show you what a man says. Not show you some theory. They'll show you what the Bible says. Listen to me. How you can know that you know that you know when you breathe your last breath, you'll be in the presence of Almighty God. Listen, our people that know Jesus, they die well. You know why? Because they know this, this little place we're in now, it's terrible compared to what's going to be revealed. Man, this ain't nothing. This nasty world, we're just pilgrims. Those of us that know the Lord, we're just passing through. Listen, this is not, y'all listen to me. This world is not our home this morning. 
If you've never trusted Christ, I just want to encourage you, don't leave here today without doing With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand on our feet. The altar's open. If you need to talk to someone, uh, there'll be some counselors down front. And uh, Matt's going to sing a verse of invitation. And I'm going to prepare. we got somebody getting baptized this morning. Matt's going to sing this morning. Think about it.